So, Luke chapter 2. Those of you that may not know, if you're ever curious about reading the, the, the Christmas story, most of the Christmas story, a lot of the Christmas story is in Luke chapter 2 and in the book of Luke. So there you go. Maybe you learned something today about that. Why don't you stand and we'll close in prayer and we'll go home. <laughs> that was quick. Some four people went, this is the best church ever. That's the whole sermon. No, Luke chapter 2. I'll in, uh, Introductory thought may not be great, but a couple months ago I went out uh, golfing. Sometimes I go out and try to golf. <laughs> and I went out golfing with a friend of mine. And long story short, I wasn't where I wanted to be after my first shot. And so I had a, a hard second shot. And it, it, this is not a picture of the shot, but it was this kind of a shot where it was going to be like hard and long. And actually, I, I had to hit it like long and it's like a lot of golf shots. You're supposed to try to hit long and straight, but there were trees in the way, so I was going to have to go up over trees and all this kind of thing. So it was a miracle, I guess. So I was there and uh, took this shot and hit it, and and like it went it, like exactly where I wanted it to go. For those, I see a few golfer people in the room that you know it was about it was a couple hundred yard shot, and I was had a four iron. Some of you'll make that'll make sense. Others, it will make no sense at all. Put it like it went. <laughs> anyway, I tell you the story because my friend who was just ten feet to the right watching, he he was apparently impressed, and he went, "Oh man!" And then here's what he said: "You hit that pure." <laughs> That's what he said. Now, some of you who golf, you know what it's like if you hit a good golf shot and you, you know, and you strike the ball pure. I'm thinking of my friend Kevin over here because he's over here, you know, and I know he, I know he golfs. Anyway, this idea, I use that little tiny story to introduce the idea of pure. It'll come up on the screen. Pure is not mixed with any other substance or material. Pure is flawless. It's genuine. It's free of contamination. And typically my golf swing is contaminated in different ways. You know, not even just so, but in that moment, it was pure. Uh, golf may not be the best example, but I would submit to you that we like pure. Um, pure is typically good. We like drinking bottled water that is clear. And pure, like we don't want to read on the, the, the ingredients. We, in fact, we don't want any other ingredients. If we buy a bottle of water, we like water and not hepsibenzene, bicarbonate thing or whatever those, right? Pure is good. Uh, we pay extra for pure things. Compare pure maple syrup to Fake syrup, <laughs> right? To get a little thing of pure, no, anybody remember? If you get pure maple syrup, that costs you. We appreciate singers that have pure vocals, a basketball shooter who seems to have a pure shot. We take trips to pure Michigan, or some of us, right? So are you with me with this idea of pure is good? Uh, I would add to that that God also appreciates purity. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
James 1.27 talks about religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. That's one place you could emphasize. Goes on to talk about it's, it's looking after orphans and widows in their distress. And he appreciates when we keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. And I added one more message, just or one more uh, verse, just because it's a good reminder. Hebrews 13, 4, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. God's into purity. We appreciate it. God's into it. Hold that thought. We are in a Christmas series called Worship the King, and we're basically taking a couple weeks to explore how we might worship God better today, how we might offer him some more pure worship over the Christmas season. And today we're going to explore a text that I think gives us a glimpse into a moment in history where there was some pure worship happening to God. Here's why I would submit to you that it was pure worship. It's because the worship was offered to God through angelic beings. And so here's a big assumption for the text and for my talk today. My assumption is angels, when they worship, they worship right, okay? We struggle, at least I, no, I'm including you guys too. How do you know, like our worship stuff, it may not be pure all the time. We don't do that perfectly, and I need to do a side note here. Uh, if you're thinking just about music things, expand your thoughts. Worship is not limited or primarily about music. And some of you be like, what? No. But worship, in its essence, it could include music. It may not exclude, in, include music, but tons of places in the Bible where they talk about, and he worshiped the Lord, or, she, or it was an act of worship. There's no mention that they're singing a song. It's something else. It's deeper, broader than just, <laughs> and isn't that good news for some of us? Like, that worship is not totally attached to our musical ability. Amen. Some of you should be happy about that. I'm personally glad that whether I can worship God or not does not depend on whether I can sing for 20 minutes. So it's, it's deeper than just the music thing. But we're going to focus on really kind of a a fairly well-known Christmas text, but in the midst of it, by the way, it's the text of the shepherds abiding out in the fields and the angel comes. But in the midst of it, we're going to focus on a moment where it says that uh, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts, angelic beings, appear with the angel and they are praising God and saying, so we're going to look at how the angels praised God. So let's remind ourselves of the context, Luke 2, 8. I almost don't need to read this because we've heard this so many times if you've been around the church or explored Christmas at all. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. How many of you are kind of mouthing the words as I say it because you know these verses? So, <laughs> or you're picturing a Charlie Brown 
Some of you are like, what? Never mind. Okay. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts host, appear with the angel, praising God and saying, here's where we're going to focus, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Title of the talk this weekend is Heavenly Hosts Lead Worship. And I want to just explore this moment of angelic worship in hopes that we can learn a few things, maybe even apply them today or this week, and God might get a little bit more pure worship. So let me pray, and I'll give you two characteristics of this angelic worship. Father, be really great if you uh, motivated, motivated, <laughs> motivated us somehow or taught us a few things so that we might honor you more with our lives and especially during this Christmas season. So be our teacher, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Two ideas from this text. Characteristics of angelic worship. The first one is this. The angelic worship pushed praise upward. Pushed praise upward. And I'll tell you where we're heading. In the midst of all this activity of this amazing evening that the shepherds experience, the, the, the first thing that the heavenly hosts say in the midst of their praise is glory to God in the highest. And I would submit to you what they're going to do is they're taking all of this amazing thing and maybe the amazement in the shepherd's heart and they're saying, if you're going to appreciate anybody, push your appreciation up to the Father. It may help a little bit to set the stage here. This would have been such a remarkable night if you were a shepherd. And I'm going to do an old impersonation I've done before. I'm going to do, uh, give you my impersonation of the life of a shepherd keeping watch over his flock at night. Are you ready? It's a really good impersonation. Some of you may have seen it before. It goes like this. Y'all are the sheep. You can do this too, Grape Road. You are the sheep. So every once, let's just practice. I need some random sheep sounds to happen. Yeah, that's right. Just, just a little... Not all this, because it's random, right? It's at night. It's fairly quiet. You guys practice. Ready? Go. Okay, that's pretty good. Actually, that's really good. So this is my impression of the shepherd keeping watch over the Allah sheep at night. Go make your sounds. There's a sheep getting bit over there. <laughs> okay, you understand like this. So I just want you to know a ton of the shepherd's life and excitement factor is like there is no excitement factor for a bunch of a shepherd's experience. And so I think that that would heighten the amazement when, right, that's what they're doing, and then, the, you know, and the scripture says, then an angel shows up. L let, me, let me give you some characteristics of this angelic 
experience that the shepherds have. And it'll come up and kind of be elaborated on on the screen. The angelic invitation is personal. God sends an angel to the, it says, the angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. How cool is that, that an angel shows up just for them? It's supernatural. It says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. I don't know, that was some kind of, uh, oftentimes interpreted as uh, a glow or something that would definitely be understood as the presence of God. It was a joyful experience because it says good news that will cause great joy. It's a universal experience. This is something that's going to be for everyone. And I am sure that in that moment and in these moments, the shepherds were appreciative of this experience, right? Like, how cool is that? And I wonder if they didn't even, you know, communicate their their appreciation. Like, oh man, angel guy. If they didn't say it in their hearts, like, you're the best. I'm so glad you showed up. Or the glory of the Lord. You know, if they would have had a... An iPhone, they would say, take a picture of this. Because I want to put a tattoo on my back that looks just like that. Or you know how people have experiences and they want to stop. We've got to post this thing. You don't think they would have tattooed it? You know how people like have an experience and then they get a, what do you guys, never heard of a tattoo? What's the deal? <laughs> right? Because they have an experience and they want to remember the experience so they do that or Oh, I thought I had another idea too. What is it? Oh, they might say in that moment, being a shepherd is the best gig ever. But I think what the angels bring to that picture is don't just settle for appreciating or communicating appreciation to the human things and the earthly things and the temporary things, but ultimately give glory for this experience to God. Uh, can, can we admit sometimes it's easy to appreciate the temporary or human things, but never actually break through all that stuff and take a moment and say, by the way, thank you, God, for this experience. Here's the idea. It's a fill in the blank. The angels redirected the shepherd's appreciation to the God who was responsible for initiation. To the God who initiated this whole thing. That, if we will break through, no, 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 no. That is an opportunity for us. In the midst of when a good thing happens in your life, or a great experience, will we take the time and give glory or honor or praise, give glory to God in the highest for that moment. I think that's an act of pure worship when we do. Bad illustration, but I'll share it anyway. We had a staff luncheon to celebrate Christmas this week, and uh, we had uh, food from Carabas. Yeah, that's what I thought. And Carabas apparently has heavenly mashed potatoes. Have you been to some of the restaurants where their mashed potatoes 
have better ingredients than my mashed potatoes. Like you think, what is, how much butter is in here? Or what, you know, it's just like, and so like I had two helpings of the mashed potato thing. And so here, this is a bad illustration, but it's like a simple thing. The next time you have something and you're like grateful and then it's good, by the way, it's good to say, oh, by the Carabas is good. It's great to, to thank the staff that coordinated the meal. But ultimately, how about you take some good experience and you wrestle through and you fight through and say, by the way, God, I am thankful. I am glory to you. God, glory, glory to God for these mashed potatoes. It's a bad illustration. I told you it was a bad illustration. But, but like practically speaking, when, here's a question for us. When I experience some goodness, do I get with God regarding the goodness that I've experienced? And some of us have to admit there's some good stuff. Virtually everyone in this place, everyone listening, online, great road, there are good things in your life. When was the last time you took the time to give glory to God for that good experience? You've got some relational stability in your life. It's good to thank your parents, maybe, or good to thank your family. It's good to thank maybe your education. It's, it's nice to be grateful that you have some intellect or some communication skills or all those things that, that add flavor to your relational stability. But when's the last time you set aside time to say, God, I thank you. I give glory to you for the reality of this good thing in my life. That's a moment, I would argue, of pure worship. By the way, James 1.17 says, every, every good and perfect gift is from above. Goes on to say, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. But every good and perfect gift come down, comes down from above. When you experience something good, give glory to God. Can I add, I want to add one more, I think, opportunity here to give worship before we move to the second point. This connected to giving glory to God. Uh, it'll come up on the screen. When I am given honor, do I redirect it? So when someone expresses appreciation to you, I would say there's an opportunity to then actually redirect it from thank you for thanking me to how about you move it toward God. I saw uh, uh, a little portion of a soccer game someday ago. When was that? I don't know. Anybody heard of soccer? Got a little ball in it, you know, people play, kick it around. All right, good. I thought you probably had. So it was, what's the big soccer league? Is see, soccer league? Is MLS? Is that what it is? Is there some big, has anyone heard of soccer? I'm just asking because I guess soccer is another bad illustration. Have you, okay. Anyway, big game. I don't know whether there's some tournament thing going on, but it was on television. Apparently some soccer player had a really good game because he had scored two goals in one game, which is a lot in a soccer game. Do you, can I go on a tangent with you for just a moment that has nothing to do with Jesus? It's a theory. Can, I'm going to? How much time do we have? You know what I think we might want to do for soccer is make the goals bigger so they score more. I, I just think it might be fun. I also have the same theory with hockey. Just if you took the soccer goal and you put it on the hockey thing, then watch the puck fly and have, it's totally irrelevant, 
has nothing to do with Jesus. I'm just going to try to start a movement for make the goals bigger so that we score more. Okay. What am I talking about? Soccer guy who scored two goals in one game. As he was exiting the field, you know, there's only a few minutes left, and so they take the, you know, the, the best player off or whatever. They take off. And the people in the stands, there were a number of people in the stands, and they're applauding the uh, uh, sports commentators are saying amazing things about this guy, and they're replaying all of his plays. He gets to the edge of the field, and he does this. You've seen sports people do this, and he does this. He goes, before he walks off the field. Now, we don't know what was in that guy's heart, but you know what? I have to wonder whether in that moment, God is not looking down and feeling a little bit of worship because my interpretation of that is, I know you're applauding me, but glory for my skills to God. That's, and I just personally appreciate it when you see skilled people or people where life's going really well or they're doing something amazing. I love it when they get interviewed and they say, first of all, I'd like to, I'd like to thank God. First of all, I'd like to thank my Savior, Jesus Christ. That, those moments, I think, are, are, are opportunities or realities or specific moments in time where God gets real worship just because we gave glory instead of to ourselves or to someone else where we just say glory to God. By the way, that's consistent with some uh, uh, spiritual superstars. In Acts chapter 10, 25, Peter enters a house and a man named Cornelius meets him and falls at Peter's feet. He's, gonna, he's basically honoring Peter. And Peter made him get up. And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't worship me. And I think some of the implied is you, you worship God, you don't worship me. And a better example in Revelation 22, there's an angel who communicates to a disciple named John what's going to happen in the end of time, if you've ever read the book of Revelation. And at the end of this revelation, John says, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing these things to me. And the angel, but the angel said to me, I love this, he says, don't do that. Like, you know, John's like, oh, you, you've been amazing, Mr. Angel guy. So he starts to bow down. The angel says, says, this is paraphrased, but not really. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. Don't worship me. And he goes on to say, worship God. The angelic worship pushed praise upward. Second point, the angelic worship promoted peace. This may not be as strong a point as the first point because there are some times that we could find in Scripture where following Jesus doesn't necessarily always promote peace. But I want to make just a little observation here. Part of what the angels brought and hoped for for the world was peace. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. God is many times appreciative and honored by the promotion of peace into a world that is not all that peaceful. By the way, just a couple more verses. In Isaiah 9-6, it's a Christmas verse, and it gives some titles for Jesus. 
It says, for to us a child is born, he will be called, we've heard this, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. One of his four titles in this text is Prince of Peace. When Jesus was talking to disciples in John 14, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. He also commanded the disciples in Luke 10, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. So here's the idea. This is a fill in the blank if you're on site. Uh, or a, great, a possible act of pure worship is the interjection of godly peace. And I think that maybe, no, I think that in our world today, present time, 2020, might be a great, honorable, even worshipful thing if we, in the midst of some of the non-peaceful things going on around us, we were just instruments of peace. Can we agree that 2020 has not been all that peaceful? Politically, not very peaceful. Financially, lots of ups and downs. Spiritually, this, made me, this makes me a little sad. Spiritually, I have never been through a season where I have watched more Christians, and I believe that they're Christians, more Christians fighting about stuff between themselves. I just, I, more than I have observed in any time in my life that I remember, Christians not being kind to each other, arguing about what I would call lesser, you know what I, no, you guys not been in this world? Like, and every once in a while, I'm trying not to be all judgy on you, but every once in a while I think, come on, you guys, what are we, what are we fighting about? Oh, I'll give you a side note here. I, I, <laughs> I didn't, I just thought of this last service. There is a, a, a section, and I think it's the book of Proverbs, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to botch this, okay? But it's in the Bible somewhere. You should always, whenever a pastor says, you know, somewhere in the Bible, there's like something that says, I'm going to do one of those. Somewhere in the Bible, there's some verses that talk about something like this, but it's actually there. It says something like this. Six things the Lord hates, seven things are detestable to him. And one of the things in the list is a brother who stirs up division among brothers. It, find it. It's in there somewhere in the Bible, and I think it's the book of Proverbs. But it's God, okay, so that was a little side note. It was free. May not have liked it at all, but it's free. And, and the idea is that just seems to be on the rise as Christians. Instead of being people bringing peace, we're just bringing more division. And what I want to say to you, if you want to act at, be an, uh, offer God worship this Christmas season, just be different. So how does that look practically? To be a promoter of peace in our world today. <laughs> this is Average Illustration Weekend. Here's one. I'll give you another one. I'm driving home Friday from the office. Had finished uh, doing a kind of a practice preach and considering what I was teaching on. I'm on my way home. And uh, a person zipped up behind me. I was going like normal speed. Probably actually going a little bit over speed limit. Sorry. You know, and... But they came zipping up behind me. Have you ever, you've had this, drivers, where, you know, you're like driving along, everything's good, and all of a sudden you look in your rearview mirror and you're like, wow, are we friends? Because I could pet you right now. Like, what are you? 
And they didn't only, they didn't just come up and then go, oops, sorry, and back off. They were like, yeah, tailgating. I'm like, wow. So here's the idea. My first thought when those things happen are not all peace, not all peacemaking, peaceful. Because I think of bad things. I think, okay, well, apparently you're in a hurry. I'll slow you down. And I, you know, I think of those ideas. But instead, and this may have been a good moment for me here because I was thinking about, you know, being a peacemaker and, and, you know, an act of worship to God is when we don't promote more dissension or division, but we try to do things that bring more peace in the world. And so as they were right back there snuggling up against me, I, I saw a little turnoff here where it went off into an addition. And I just thought, oh, I, I know what I'll... So I just pulled off into the thing and let them zip on by. And I didn't like, you know, or blah, I just... Because I thought, what an opportunity to just, instead of add to the frustration that sometimes is all around us, so I just pulled off, and like in the name of the Lord, I just said, it's your road. Have, have at it. And now, I wanted, to, I didn't do that for me. I, I think there's moments where if we just do those little things, being conscious of who God is and what might please him, those are little moments of worship. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. Isn't that a cool opportunity? And I think that it will honor the Lord. It will bring glory to him. Wouldn't it be great if over this next week, there were a thousand moments in our community or in our household or at that family gathering or at that store or wherever we're at if we added to the peace in the room or in the world rather than so much of the frustration. Last fill in the blank. My promotion of peace may bring pleasure to God. So the angelic worship pushed praise upward and prioritized peace. Why don't you stand? If you're on site, stand at Grape Road. And let's pray. Before we do closing prayer, just to let you know, there'll be a team of people over here to pray about anything going on in your life. And typically this time of year, we just do offer, uh, if Christmas time is a challenging time for you, which I know for a lot of us, uh, it can be hard. There's increased family time, or there's some of us feel more lonely at Christmas because we're not close to family or all those things. 
uh, don't hesitate to come up and get some prayer for this week regarding uh, just anything that you're facing. All right, let's close. God, I pray for all of us that these ideas of giving glory to you would stick with us because we'd really like, a bunch of us would really like to bring you some moments of pure worship. Um, and I ask, well, for those of you in the room, if you're willing to put your hands out, I'm going to pray that God will just make our hands representative of instruments of peace. So God, I just pray for everybody here. Would you just by your spirit empower our hands, our minds, our voices, our thoughts to be peacemakers this Christmas? When the angels came and they said, and, and peace to those on whom his favor rests, will you give us uh, your peace? Will you give us your favor? And then will you make us generous with that, with our neighbors, family, employees, employers, work associates? I pray an empowerment of everybody in this room, maybe people that are still watching online. Make us instruments of peace in this world, I pray. And we will give you all the credit for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you guys.